Hey there, Annie and Julie here. We just wanted to pop in real quick before we dive into this episode and announce our new show name. We're excited to announce that we're rebranding the Investing for Good podcast as the Life and Money Show. Now, this new name reflects the broad focus of our episodes and guests thus far and allows us to tell even more stories about living a meaningful and intentional life by design while also making an impact. We're extremely grateful for your support and listenership as we've grown this podcast and are excited to begin this new chapter so we can bring you even more valuable stories and insights. With that, let's dive into the episode. You have to be comfortable with what you are investing in. You have to understand that. And then at some point, you know, you have to take action. You're listening to The Life and Money Show, a podcast that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth for their families, and impacting the world around them. And now here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hello, hello, everyone. Annie Dickerson here together with Julie Lamb. Julie, how are you today? I'm doing excellent. How are you doing? Great. I know you just spent the weekend in Napa with your family enjoying the sunshine. How was it? Yes, yes, it was awesome. It's, um, you know, one of those days that we don't get often here anyway in the in the Bay Area, but up in Napa, it was like 70s, 80s. And uh, yeah, it was just gorgeous weather. And it was just fun to be biking out with the kids and hiking around. And we did some like kin friendly wine tasting and all that. Ooh. fun stuff. So yeah, it was, it was nice. A good time. Yeah, well, we got out too. we made it into San Francisco. And it's funny. So our older son, Kai, a while back, he sold he was selling all these coupons, you know, for like different things around the house or whatnot. And one <laughs> coupon that I bought, which I thought was so worth the dollar I spent on it was uh-huh. go into San Francisco without complaining. And so I used that coupon because he always, he doesn't like crowds and he just likes to stay home. But I was like, I'm using my coupon. So (laughs) we took that and went into San Francisco. But anyway, (laughs) enough about our weekends. Let's dive into the conversation today. Today, we are featuring the fabulous Alka Kumar. She's the creator of YourWealthMD.com. She is a mom. She is a real estate investor. And she just has an incredible story of coming to the US with just $40 in her pocket. She's a single mom. She's also a physician. And really, you know, that story of how she really built up her wealth over time. And now she's taught her kids to do so as well. Yeah. And I think one of the you know themes that we often hear from people who are successful in this space is how they went about getting from the point of having nothing to getting the, to the point of having financial freedom. And one of those key things that she had talked about was self-education. And it's something that, you know, earlier on, I spent a lot of time myself focusing on. I knew nothing about syndication and then, you know, got to a point, spent six to eight months getting to a point where, you know, I learned all the terminology and probably a lot of the things that our listeners do. 
as well. But you know, definitely don't underestimate the power of the of education because when you feel like you're going into an investment with that armed with that knowledge, you know, you'll definitely make better decisions and more sound decisions because you're doing it from a place of understanding what you're getting into. Absolutely. Well, for all of our listeners out there who may be at that starting line and you're looking down the road and you want to get into real estate investing, but you're not sure how, well, one of the best tools to get you started is our book, Investing for Good. And we have a free hardcover copy for all of our listeners. Just go to goodegginvestments.com slash book to get all of the details. And now without further ado, here is our conversation with Alka Kumar. Alka, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, thank you so much for having me. You know, I've been looking forward to this. I've been listening to your podcast. I'm a big fan. I love hearing all the stories of different entrepreneurs, investors. Uh, it's been amazing. Good. Well, we're thrilled to have you here because Alka, you have an absolutely unbelievable story. You came to the US with just $40 in your pocket. You are a single mom of two amazing kids and you are also a physician. Now you say that on your website, you say that your story is not a rags to riches story, but rather a story of hard work and constantly trying to improve yourself and create a better life for yourself and for your children. And a big part of that is what you're doing through real estate investing. So start by taking us back in your journey. What brought you to the US in the first place? And how did real estate investing come to be part of your journey? I trained in India, I did my medical school in India. And then my ex-husband, he wanted to pursue, you know, fellowship and further training abroad. So we landed in Canada. So did the higher education, been working as a radiologist for many years now in Canada. And then we moved to U.S. And a few years ago, I was working like six days a week, sometimes seven days a week. It was really, I was heading towards burnout. And I said, well, you know, this, I can't, this can't be sustained. <laughs> so it has to be something different, you know. Uh, and one of my friends jokingly says that doctors are glorified laborers. <laughs> so you, you get paid when you work. And if you don't work, you know, you don't get paid. Um, so I started looking at other avenues because, you know, I was making decent income, but then you have no quality of life. You know, so then I said, okay. So I started looking into these options and then I found real estate. I've always kind of liked real estate, but never looked into it. So I ended up buying, you know, a small house in my area. I live in Tampa, Florida. And one of my friends, she said, well, you know, I have this little house. It's two bedroom, two bath. And the buyer's financing is going to fall through. So if you want to, you know, take a look. I kind of wasn't quite ready, but I looked at it. Then I said, okay. So I talked to multiple people and they all said, then I figured out, okay, what's the worst that can happen? You know, if I don't like it, I can just sell it. You know, it's not going down to zero. It's real estate. It's a house. <laughs> so that was my thinking. So that's why I took the plunge, bought their house, you know, then I didn't want anything to do with it. So gave it to a property manager and then it bull ran for two months. And then one day, you know, it, it was rented and I was on vacation. I remember coming back and the check was in my mail, literally the check. They were mailing checks back then, you know, a few years ago. <laughs> and I said, oh, this works, you know, whether I work or not, the check is in the mail. <laughs> so that, that's when the light bulb went off and the bells went ding, ding, ding. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think a lot of people have that experience is that a lot of people are enticed by what real estate can offer and they sort of look into it, they research it. And it's not really until you get that first check or that first deposit in the bank that you really are like, oh my God. Oh my gosh, this mm-hmm. actually works. It's like back when I used to watch late night infomercials and they had the like the exercise machines and they're like try they had the before and the after and I always would watch those and I'd be like that's not real. Those are like fake people or computerized. That's not real. And until I actually did it and saw the results myself and I was like, "Oh my gosh, this actually works." And so it sounds like you had an experience like that where you were always interested in it, but then you decided to take the plunge and once you got that mailbox money, you realized, oh my gosh, this can actually work. And so tell us what happened next. So you got that first check. Then what was your plan to go and buy, you know, 10 more of these or what was your plan? Yeah. Then I thought, okay, you know, there's something here. So I started researching, you know, went on bigger pockets, you know, joined my local RIA meeting, read all the books. Uh, So that's how the journey started. So I ended up buying duplexes, triplex or fourplex uh, within last four years. And um, yeah, I have 16 units now and I'm branching out into mobile home park space. I really like that. So I just bought my first one um, last year. It's only, it's a small nine space park in South Carolina. My first out of state investment and first mobile home. I kind of just wanted to dip my toes in the water just to fill it out, you know, instead of just getting a bigger park. So yeah, so far so good. So, you know, it's, it's working out. So I enjoy that. And then somewhere along the line after the first property, I said, well, you know, I can do property management, you know, because the property management company, they weren't, they weren't great. So I said, okay, so I've been self-managing and eventually my goal is to give it to a professional property manager. But for now, I figured, you know, once I do this, I can learn the business and then it's much easier to manage the manager. So that's kind of what I've been up to in real estate. Yeah. So I'm just curious because I know that a lot of people, when they think about getting into real estate, they get scared. And it sounds like, like you kind of from the beginning had a little bit of a, you know, attitude of if it doesn't work out, then I can sell it. And I think that's such a great mindset to have, because I think we, especially as women are always afraid to make a mistake. And what ends up happening is that we don't do anything at all. And so I just think that's so great. I just wanted to mention that really quick before we moved on that you were brave enough to realize that at the end of the day, you know, the worst that would happen is that the deal didn't work out and you could still sell it, you know, maybe at a little bit of a loss, but would it be the end of the world? No. And through that, you would likely have learned a lot of lessons, right? And so I think that's such an important thing to highlight because so many people are afraid, especially if they're just getting into the real estate space to do anything. And they analyze and analyze for I hear it all the time. I just heard it yesterday from some woman who said she just, you know, can't get her comfort levels where they need to be to pull the trigger. And it's been, you know, a year and a half, two years. And so I think think that's great. So so you bought the first single family home, then you did all the meetups, you went to you read all the stuff on bigger pockets, which is totally what I did too. read a bunch of books. And then you just started going out there and buying duplexes and triplexes. So and those were in your local area? Yeah, they're all in my local area within an hour and a half of my um, house. You know, I found that, you know, if you're looking for properties in the core of a metro, there's a lot of competition and it's expensive too. Um, so I started you know, looking more on the outskirts. So yeah, my properties are a little more on the periphery of Tampa, but there's strong rental demand. So, you know, and they're not 
overly expensive. I know you're in California, so Florida is much cheaper. <laughs> but, you know, like the duplexes I bought a couple of years ago, they were, you know, 100. So it's not like a huge risk also. But I totally agree with you, Julie. It's like, it's the mindset, you know. So I, what I do is I write down what's the worst that can happen. And also mm-hmm. what I can do to mitigate that. Because, you know, 90% of what we fear either doesn't come true or if it does, it's very, it's much less than our mind makes it up to be because we function on reptilian brain as you know so so yeah so I think the trick is to write it down and then if this were to happen the worst case scenario or the second worst case scenario what are the things that I can do or the steps that I can take so once you put it down there's not that scary anymore you know when you know all the steps and you know there's a path out and there's and you know there's multiple exit strategies so that gives you more comfort. That is such a good tip. That is such a good tip because sometimes in our head, we get so caught up about what we think, you know, and we always immediately jump straight to the worst. I know I do all the time. I, and I've had to do a lot of mindset work and we do, Annie and I do a lot of mindset work on this kind of stuff. Um, but when I realized, and I actually asked myself, well, how likely is that to really happen? And it's like, probably not that likely. And, but writing it down, I think really helps to cement the idea that it's really not likely. Could it happen? Absolutely. But how likely is that? And writing it down is such a great way to make it feel like reality that it probably won't happen. Is it likely? Sure. But could it? Would it? Yeah, maybe it just depends, you know, but I think that's such a good tip. So, so, so you went an hour and a half from home and you're looking on the outskirts and you, so what were some of the things that you thought about when you thought about buying these duplexes and triplexes? Cause I know that there's a lot of people, including myself, that I didn't even know where to start. I didn't know what questions to ask. So on a very high level, what were some of the things that you were looking for when you started looking for your first, what was it, a duplex or the triplex, which came first? Yeah, after this, a duplex. Yeah. duplex. Yeah, and they were actually on MLS. So I connected with a um, small uh, commercial broker. Um, so, you know, he helped me uh, analyze the properties because it's, you know, you hear people say, oh, yeah, if, if you can uh, cover your mortgage and, and taxes, you are good. You know, not so. As you know, we, we can see repairs, capex, reserves. So all of those factors. So, you know, so I learned, learned a lot, you know, read up on uh, and talked to other experienced investors. So, and they, like I said, the price points were not, you know, very high and these were rented for like 650. So, you know, each side. So that's one person rule right there. So I figured, okay, you know, that's, you know, this, this could work. And I know the rents would go up, you know, over, over time. And now the same units are renting for like 950. So for anyone who's listening who doesn't know what the 1% rule is, can you explain what that is? Sure. Uh, 1% rule is uh, the rent amount should be at least 1% of the property uh, purchase price. So for example, if your rent is $1,000, then the property purchase price would be 100000 But if it's 200000 then you're at half percent rule and that's not going to cash flow very well. So, you know, I visited the area a few times, you know, researched it, researched the properties, you know, looked at everything. So it made sense to me. So it's in a working class neighborhood. And, you know, I, that's why I went ahead and purchased that. And then the same seller, they said, oh, we have another duplex right around the corner. Do you want to buy that too? Oh, nice. 
yeah, so that turned out to be, you know, a nice package deal. So it's so funny because back in 2015, when I first was starting to look into real estate more seriously, actually, it wasn't the 1% rule. It was actually the 2% rule, which, you know, we don't hear about that anymore. But I think in 2016 and 17, it started becoming the 1% rule because that's all you could find. And uh, mm -hmm. so that become became the kind of the standard was the 1% rule. So I'm curious, did you, did somebody tell you that you should look at duplexes or were you kind of savvy enough to understand duplex versus single family home or what made you lean towards sort of these small multis versus getting into a single family home? Yeah, basically education, because, you know, with single family, if it's vacant, it's 100% vacant. With right. duplex, at least it's, you know, one, you know, hopefully one tenant is paying. Um, so yeah, like economies of scale. So that's why I thought duplex would be better and then moved on to a triplex and then moved on to a fourplex. Then nice. Yes, that's the progression <laughs> I route I took. And I still keep that first single family house because you know I like to have something free and clear. It doesn't have a mortgage on it. This is in flood insurance. I mean it will need flood insurance. So I don't want to, you know, get that. So I said, okay. And it's better to and also just for peace of mind, uh, you know, that you own some at least one property free and clear that you can sell either to an investor or to an end buyer. So you know, then my plan is to keep it. I'm curious. I want to go back to your awesome tip about uh, worst case scenario. So when you're getting into these deals, let's take, take the duplex, for example. I think a lot of people, when they're getting into a small deal like this or their first deal, they don't even know what the worst case scenario could be. And I think that's a big part of the fear is they, they don't even know. They're like, oh my gosh, the world will fall apart or like this thing will just like drag all my finances through. You know, So at that time, when you were looking at that duplex and you were thinking about that worst case scenario, what was that? In the worst case scenario, I thought, okay, you know, they won't rent, uh, you know, it will be extended vacancy. Um, then my remedy for that would be I can drop the rents, you know, if they won't rent at 650, I can do 600 or give them some rebate. So, you know, then that's, you know, the uh, way to handle that. Another worst case scenario would be I may have to evict somebody. Yeah, but then again, you set money aside for that kind of, you know, emergency or, you know, for those kind of things that can happen. Then it needed a new roof, which we knew. So I set money aside for that. Um, and whatever the repairs would come up, I feel that if somebody has a strong, like, you know, financial they have good, you know, strong uh, financial background, or at least they have their finances in order, and they have adequate reserves, then any of these obstacles, you know, they're not obstacles anymore. They're just challenges that you overcome, you know, all in the course of the day, this needs fixing, go fix that, this needs fixing. I think people get into trouble when they overextend, you know, over leverage, and they don't have any money in the account. That's I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of like, no money, you know, <laughs> no skin in the game, which is okay, you can, you know, ride on other people's money, but you still have to have reserves, you know, if things were to go wrong, and to be able to fix those. Oh, yeah, that no value you can put on the the reserves. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times I've been just going about my day, normal day. <laughs> and here comes a call or an email from a property manager. Oh, this thing broke or your tenant 
clients just put in another, you know, maintenance request for this thing, or this thing's fallen apart, or the turnover costs are higher than expected. And it's just like, well, there goes another $5,000, $7,000. I'm just having a normal day. And, you know, if you don't have those reserves in place, then it really can stop you in your tracks. And then you have to say, okay, well, I got to scramble to figure out where this money is going to be coming from. Whereas like you're saying, if you have, if you think about those scenarios beforehand and you prepare for that, you know that the roof needs to be fixed. So you have that money set aside for that. Then it's not so much of a surprise when it comes along. You're just like, oh, there's that thing that I knew about, or, you know, I have this pot of money set aside for this specific purpose then you don't need to scramble and you just keep going on your day. Yeah, absolutely. I I think the key is to be um, conservative in your numbers and be prepared for anything. Like one of, I had to do one eviction and then I had one tenant pass away in my unit and he was not discovered for three weeks. So we had to, yeah, we had to repair the whole drywall. We had the hazmat team in there, repair all the flooring, you know, and then we couldn't rent it for a few months because the smell won't go away even after like the whole long machine everything so yeah you know but luckily that was a triplex so you know the other two units were still rented and you know paying the paying the mortgage um but yeah that unit was out of action and needed a lot of furniture but that's part of it so you know so something not to get discouraged about but something to be very realistic that these things can happen <laughs> and just be prepared Yeah. I think if you take that mindset of like, this is an adventure I'm learning, there's going to be unexpected things along the way, but you know, I've got a good head on my shoulders. I've dealt with challenges before. And when the next challenge comes up, it's not going to be like, you know, oh my gosh, you know, it's something I can't handle. Most likely it's going to be something that maybe I haven't seen before, but if I really think through it and take my time and find the right people to ask about or to call on my reserves, that I can figure it out. And so if you, I think if you think about it from that mindset and approach it that way, then it takes a lot of the fear out of investing. I did want to ask you, I know you're a physician. And so I'm sure a lot of people listening are thinking, oh my gosh, she's a physician. She's a single mom of two kids. Like where in the world did she have the time to research all of this, to make those connections, to build the team, to find the deals? Like where, where did you find the time or did you make the time? Can you speak a little bit to that? Yeah, I made the time. Uh, I was working a lot. But once I decided to do real estate, I decided, okay, I'm just going to cut down my hours. So I um, switched to working part time. So I work, you know, one week on one week off. So basically, you know, half a year in radiology. And then that gives me half a year (laughs) to focus on real estate. Yes, it needs time and effort. But I also know a lot of people who work full time and, you know, still are able to do this on, on the side lot of hustle in the first few years, but I think it's absolutely worth it in the long run. So I think if your why is strong enough in the long term, I think then, you know, one can overcome anything. I really believe where there is will, there's a way. So my, my why was very strong that I wanted to have, you know, passive income to replace my active income and, you know, also to have different buckets to withdraw money from passively. So that, that I feel like I have a good balance now that, you know, my active job pays my bills and the passive income, you know, is actually buying more properties. And then in few years, then I can transition full time into real estate because I really enjoy it. So I don't want to retire. I just enjoy real estate. So yeah, that's, that's my goal. 
Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid, like we were, that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And in the process, it's probably helped you become a better physician as well. I, I would imagine that, you know, you were talking about at the beginning, before you got into real estate, you were nearing burnout because of all these hours that you were working and how amazing that you've been able to cut down to part-time and still see, you know, still, you know, work as a physician and help your patients, but also to build passive income on the side through all that you're doing through real estate. Yeah. And in my time off, you know, I do travel, I've, you know, started doing yoga and meditation. So all of those things are possible when you have that time freedom, you know, that you are not constantly like working. So yeah, absolutely. You know, then, then, you know, working is enjoyable when you're not working umpteen hours a day. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And so what, um, so for everybody who's listening, who might be like, Oh my gosh, Alka, she's so inspiring. I want to be just like her. I want to get into small multifamily as well. Or I want to maybe some of our listeners are physicians. They're like, I want to build passive income as well. I'm nearing burnout. And so what advice or what tips or what resources could you recommend for them to sort of move them from a place of feeling stuck and not sure where to start to getting to a place where they're actually starting to invest and cre- creating that passive income? I think the first step is education. You have to be comfortable with what you are investing in. You have to understand that. And then at some point, you know, you have to take action. There will be fear, but, you know, the idea is not to avoid fear, but to, you know, deal with it and just move forward. And I, I'm very conservative. So I just do little baby steps. You know, I don't want to, you know, just buy 100 units. Uh, that's just not me. <laughs> and, you know, I'm closer to retirement. So I'm more conservative with my funds that I have. So building it very slowly. And I think what um, helped me 
is, you know, even the little things, you know, like if I made a call to an investor or connected with somebody, it's, you know, it's progress. The human mind is always looking for growth and progress. As long as you're moving in that direction, I think it's good. But if I set myself a lofty goal that I have to get this much, you know, then it gets overwhelming. And then, you know, I'll say, oh, I'm not doing that. So, (laughs) so, you know, I want to be uncomfortable, but just a little, you know, not like not too much that you just give up, like baby steps. I like that baby steps so that you're you're making progress because that's what will keep you going, right? Because you know, as we all know, is that real estate investing can be, you know, it can be a hustle. It can be a grind at times. There can be long hours burning the midnight oil if you're also working your W-2 job. And so it can be a lot, but I love what you're talking about, setting up those baby steps for yourself. Because I think we hear a lot about like, set these huge goals. Why do a single family if you could go ahead and do a 200 unit multi? Multifamily. And so I think a lot of people get into that space where they're like, oh my gosh, people say I have to go big or go home. So I guess I'll do the big thing, but it's so scary. And so I love what you're saying about just, you know, take it at your own comfort level, but just a little beyond your comfort level and set up these baby steps so that you're seeing your progress along the way, because that's a big part of it is not just the end goal and having this giant portfolio, but also the journey along the way and all the experiences that you experience and things that you learn along the way. Yeah, like for myself, I don't set like a specific goal. Um, So, you know, I just have a strong why. So I just work towards it every day, every day, consistency. And, you know, as long as you're making progress, it's fine. I don't want to be, you know, held to a goal. Okay, I have to have 100 units by the end of this year. That I don't work that way. So to me, that would be like discouraging. And then I'll say, oh, it's too much work. You know, I have to do all this. So, <laughs> I like small multifamilies, you know, they, they work for me. So yeah, if I was 20 or maybe, you know, more hungry, uh, then I probably, you know, would push myself more. But at this stage, I feel, you know, this is, this is a good pace for me and it's a good path. I think that's such an important thing you just said that, you know, that you identified what's right for you. And I think, you know, when I first got into this, I, that's what I did. I spent a bunch of time trying to understand what was a good fit for me and my, you know, what, what am I good at? What do I not like to do? You know, what am I willing to do in terms of like risk? How much risk am I willing to take on? What am I comfortable with? And so I think that's such a good reminder for folks is to think about not what everybody else is doing or where the most ROI is, but to really think about, like Annie was saying, how can I, you know, find a way to get into real estate that will allow me to really enjoy the journey the most. And I think that goes hand in hand with asking yourself the question of what is right for you. And once you identify that, because for some people, I'll tell you, some people work differently and setting that lofty goal is what really inspires them. It is for me. And uh, that's how, that's the thing that drives me. I don't get overwhelmed. I get excited, but that's what drives me. And that's how it's a good fit for me. And so I think, you know, really understanding where your strong suits are, how you operate and really knowing yourself is such a great way to jump into this world of real estate because there's so much that you can do so many different ways that you can cut the pie and so finding a way to make it work for you is great i did want to spend some time talking a little bit about mobile home parks because i know not a whole ton about mobile home parks we did get into mobile home parks for a little bit a few years ago and um, you know realized back then that it was getting overheated and it wasn't a space we knew a lot about so we'd love to hear from you for anybody out there who's thinking about getting into mobile home park what drew you to it you know what are you you see the benefits being particularly as it relates to this time in COVID and uh, how did you find that first deal? 
Um, the mobile home park, I've been studying that for a year or two. I initially, I was looking at multifamily, like larger multifamily or mid-size, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, 40, 50 units. But the market is so hot and the cap rates have really compressed in my area. So mm-hmm. that was harder and harder. So I started looking at other real estate related uh, options and mobile home park caught my attention. So I attended uh, Frank and Dave's bootcamp, you know, connected with other investors. And I like the concept of mobile home park because there is a severe shortage of affordable housing in, in, in this country. And then other thing is in family communities, you know, it's still a home, you know, you don't have people on top or below you or on either side of you in an apartment. So, you know, that's still like an independent living. And the lot rents are very reasonable. And, you know, most communities will have some uh, park-owned homes, but you can, you know, convert them to tenant-owned homes, sell them on payment. So there are options. So you don't have to worry about, you know, leaky toilets and repairs because, you know, most of the time the tenants will own their own homes. So you're in the land business rather than, you know, rental business. So you just, you know, collect the lot rent. So that's, uh, that's, I think those are, you know, some of the key features. And even with COVID, I did not hear about, you know, rents not coming in. Most operators or most places are doing fine because the lot rents are not super high. It's not like they're paying $1,000 lot rent. No, so this is really affordable housing. Average lot rents are around, are around 290 across the country. So, you know, that's very affordable even for, you know, two working adults in the family, even working at fast food, you know, they can still afford to pay you know, two, $300 a month. So I feel that, you know, this is a good uh, niche. And the small mobile home park that I bought, it was only nine spaces. Seven of them were tenant-owned homes and then two were park-owned homes. So we, you know, sold those park-owned homes also to another person who lives right by the community. He's not part of the mobile home, but we ended up selling it to him. So then now he can rent it out. So like we have no, no uh, home repairs. So we just maintain, you know, the infrastructure. Yeah, it's, I, I like that nation. We're looking at bigger parks now, you know, 60, 70 spaces. And so how did you come across this one? Through a relationship that you had already or? A wholesaler. So, you know, okay. yeah. So I've been talking to a bunch of people in the mobile home park space. So, you know, bought the deal uh, through him and then we'll see how that goes. It's this very recent acquisition a few months ago. So we're still kind of in the process stabilizing. And, and for anyone listening who doesn't know what a wholesaler is, can you describe that for them? Yeah, wholesalers are typically, you know, real estate professionals who go direct to the seller and, you know, negotiate a good uh, off-market deal and then they have their assignment fee on top of that you know which could range anywhere from three percent to upwards of twenty percent or even more sometimes depending on the deal and then they sell it to an investor and for investor it's still a good deal because it's still below market you know it's not retail it's still below retail so I feel it's like a win-win you know because the wholesalers they, they do all their marketing you know keep relationship with the sellers you know and constantly in touch with them so you know then this, the assignment fee is what they get paid for their effort and time. And for an investor, it's great because it's uh, even mobile home park space is getting very competitive. So it's hard to find you know, good, good deals. And so for anyone who's like, wow, this person sounds great, a wholesaler, I need to find one of those people. <laughs> where do you, how did you meet that person or where can somebody find, and let's say the investor's like, I need to find a, this kind of opportunity. How did you meet that person or where did you find them? 
Um, there's a mobile home park forum, um, you know, that um, is connected to mobile home university. So people will pay, post their deals. I have an assignment if somebody is interested or listening to podcasts, you know, sometimes, you know, like I reached out to this wholesaler after I heard him on a podcast. Um, so, you know, uh, and networking, talking to other investors in the real estate space. And then in some, some groups, you know, they would have a couple of deals from a wholesaler, then they'll say, okay, this one doesn't fit their criteria or it's too small. So, you know, maybe you can talk to them and they'll send those deals your way. So yeah, mainly, you know, getting out there and connecting with people. And if you were to give somebody like two or three tips on like how you vet a wholesaler, because there are tons out there and some of them are don't have your <laughs> best interests in mind. And I know from personal experience, um, that's a story for another day. <laughs> but tell us about that, like two to three tips, how you vet the wholesaler that you worked with or any other ones that you've spoken to. Yeah, I think um, the main thing is their character. You know, like uh, you have to see that they are following through and they are doing what they say they will do. Um, and I don't go by what they give you, you know, the ARV, the after repair value. So I do my own due diligence, you know, uh, of course, on the Internet, you know, and check the area out. Um, and I think you have to know your own numbers. And then I typically also like to see their actual contract, you know, that they have. And I'm okay with, you know, the assignment fee. We don't have to do double close, you know, because this is their effort. So they need to be, you know, rewarded. And I'm totally good with that because we're both getting a good deal. So yeah, so those are some of the things, you know, constantly talking to them, maybe ask for references, talk to their references. And I ended up buying a fourplex also through a wholesaler. And that worked out too, because I had a triplex in that area. And when the email came, I said, oh, okay, I know this area. I knew pricing was right. So, mm -hmm. yeah, and this particular wholesaling company, they were actually licensed uh, real estate agent, the one that sold me the fourplex. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that probably, that makes a little bit of a difference and mm -hmm. adds a little bit more of a, um, you know, feeling of legitimacy for sure. But I love what you said. Don't go by their ARV, you know, do your own due diligence and know your numbers, right? Meaning that you should go into this deal knowing what the opportunity is, regardless of what they tell you it is but really knowing and being able to identify the opportunity for yourself before you, you know, say, okay, yes, I'm going to buy the deal. So in other words, not taking their word for it, just like any other uh, real estate deal that we do, you never take the broker's OM, you know, at face value, you always have to do your own due diligence and, you know, verify the facts for yourself. So I love that. Where do you think the, I know the mobile home park space has been overheated for a while. Where do you think it's headed in the next like year or two? You mentioned you want to do bigger deals. Do you feel like that's going to, the, you know, it's going to continue in terms of the demand for, for mobile home parks or where do you see that going in the next couple of years? Yeah, I think there's going to be strong demands. I think more, a lot of it is being driven by low interest rates. And, you know, typically people say that if you have a three point spread between the cap rate you're buying at and the finance, thing, then, you know, you're okay. And the, with the interest rate being so low, I think the, even the mobile home park, you know, cap rates are anywhere from four to six, seven caps. So they're really compressed. When I started looking in 2016, I remember they were at 10 cap. And at that time, I wasn't really seriously looking at mobile homes. So I was like, oh, 10 cap, well, no. You know, I should have bought those. So yeah, so Don't I, think I know it. <laughs> the hindsight is like, wow, so much stuff that I looked at in 2016. And it has just like through the roof. And since that time. So yeah, I love that. I think 
demand is going to continue and i feel uh, the cap rates are going to stay same or maybe compressed a little bit um because a lot of the 100 plus lots you know a lot of institutional players are coming in so they're buying all these 100 plus lots so but i still feel that there is opportunity you know in the small to medium mobile home park spaces. Nice, nice. Well, I would love to chat more about mobile home parks, but maybe we can save that for another show when you acquire your next one and maybe it'll be a bigger one and we can bring you back on we can dive into mobile home park specifics because it's always been a space that's interested me but I just don't know enough about it. So, we're going to move into our impact round. We're going to ask you a couple of questions around life and money. So, the first question is, what is one thing that you're doing right now to live a meaningful and intentional life by design and I know you answered some of that already in the show but would love to hear your answer again to that. Yeah, um basically lining up my passive income and what I uh, did is um I decided I need x amount, you know, let's say, you know, if I'm just throwing a number out there generally if somebody, you know, wants 5000 in passive income, then reverse engineer it. Okay, you know, this pool of money my stock investments can give you 5% conservatively, then you know, this pool of money passively invested in real estate syndications uh, which I've invested in bunch of them can give you you know this pool can give you this much so that's kind of the approach that I am taking so you know reverse engineering my the number for passive investment so I think that's that exercise is helpful to kind of you know break it down so that you can see it like your overall I'm working on that to, you know live a meaningful life uh, and working part time of course is great so yeah Yep, and you get to do your yoga and you get to travel and spend more time with your family and when you practice now you're practicing out of for a love of what you do rather than feeling out of necessity, right? So I think that's such a such a great story to take away. All right, second question is and what is one life or money hack that you can share that will make an impact in others' lives right now? Life or m- money hack. I think um start slow and you know just look for progress you know as long as you're moving towards something and you know and be clear on your why like why you're doing this um and just start slow and then just progress and growth like build it up every every step and of course you know if you get stuck then look at all the options you know worst case scenarios and you know get so everything is in front of you so you're not you know intimidated by it so you can move forward yeah i feel like that's such a good a good point is to always look for progress and it's something that Annie and I have been really intentional about for the last year we always have been but really for the last year about really you know identifying the wins and always starting every team meeting that we do every coaching call that we do with the wins because it's those little measures of progress that we make and identifying those and really you know feeling the progress that you make that really allows you to even have more progress in the future and so really celebrating those wins along the way no matter how small they may be um or how small you might think they are is such a great tip. I love that. All right, last question is what is one thing that you're doing right now to make the world a better place? Well, I I love to share my knowledge about real estate and especially, you know, been talking to a lot of my women friends and also multiple groups about lining up multiple streams of income, you know, whether it's active real estate investing or investing passively. If you don't have the time, you know, then you can invest passively in other people's deals, uh, like I know you guys do. So and have just multiple streams of income so you're not just, you know, putting all your eggs in one basket, you know, or relying on like one job. Um so that's you know, the way, you know, that's my message and I'm trying to get it across, especially to, you know, professional women, especially, you know, women doctors who are 
you know, single who have to go it all alone, you know, that is doable, you know, just a little bit at a time and, you know, just uh, empowering them and just uh, overcoming that fear of, uh, and taking action. I feel like that's like one thing that I realized when I fell into this real estate world is that people love to share. And that is so different from most other industries. But I genuinely feel like people in the real estate space enjoy what they do. And they're happy people because they enjoy it and, and they want to share. And that's been one of the funnest things for me too, is, um, is sharing our knowledge and watching other people find success and happiness in their life too. So I love that. Yeah, I'm not an expert, but I'm not a beginner either. So I'm kind of intermediate stage so you know if I can help anybody you know beginner or you know I'm more than happy to talk real estate I love talking real estate so you know making time so I do that you know for my friends and you know my medical circle because now they're all curious about oh how are you doing all this passive income stuff so you know we've been having zoom meetings and you know educating them (laughs) yeah that's such a good way to give back is of your time which is one of your most uh, it's your most valuable resource you can't get anymore and so the fact that you're spending your time helping others and to empower others is just phenomenal. And so Alka, tell our listeners if they wanted to learn more about you, what's the best place to go? Um, I do have a website. It's called yourwealthmd.com. So your wealth and MD, meaning um, as an MD doctor. And the purpose of this website is to really help other people grow their grow their wealth, you know, and line up passive streams of income. So yeah, feel free to reach out there, you know, shoot me. Uh, there's a contact button on that page, or you can email me at yourwealthmd at gmail.com. Yeah, that's the best way to get hold of me. Alka Kumar, creator of YourWealthMD.com. Thank you so much for being here with us and sharing your experiences today, Alka. Thank you so much, Annie and Julie, for having me. It's an awesome experience. I love what you do. I have gotten tremendous value from listening you know, to you and your guests. And you know, keep up the great work. You've been listening to The Life and Money Show, the number one podcast for people who, like you, are living a meaningful and intentional life by design, building true wealth, and making an impact in the world. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com and be sure to join the Life and Money Show community on Facebook. And if you got value out of this show, please subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations. 